This is Christopher Sharp, co-director and a producer on the film Bobby Wine, The People's President. This is Moses Buayo, co-director and one of the cinematographers. And you're listening to, oh, and you're watching the Cinematography Podcast. The following podcast contains explicit language. You're listening to the Cinematography Podcast presented by Hot Rod Cameras, a program about the art, craft and philosophy of the moving image and the people who make it happen. Coming to you from the world headquarters of Hot Rod Cameras in Hollywood, California, are your hosts, Ben Rock and Ilya Friedman. Hey, everybody. Uh, We have a bonus episode, and it honestly couldn't possibly be more timely. I'm here with our producer, Alana Cody. Hi. And we are covering a documentary. Tell us about the documentary, Alana. The documentary is called Bobby Wine, The People's President, and it's about he uh, Bobby Wine is a performer. He's a singer, songwriter and member of parliament in Uganda. And uh, the documentary uh, followed him for five years as he ran for president um, in Uganda, which is currently ruled by an authoritarian regime under Museveni is the name of the current president who's been in power now for 38 years. Oof. So we got to speak with the filmmakers, um, Moses Boeo and Christopher Sharp. It was just extremely powerful, moving documentary. Yeah, and, I, I, yeah. I, I wasn't expecting it. You had told me that it, it was like really hard hitting. And I watched it right before the interview, actually. And I was not expecting this movie to literally reduce me to tears. And it had shades of a documentary that came out a few years ago called Navalny. That's also a pretty amazing documentary. And today, as we're recording this, we found out Navalny himself died in a Russian prison. Navalny, who was like the only credible candidate to run against Vladimir Putin in in many years. And Putin has poisoned him, imprisoned him. And and I feel like Bobby Wine is in the middle of that right now, still in the middle of that. Yeah. So the documentary of Bobby Wine, the People's President, is pretty similar in how Bobby Wine is challenging the current regime. And and he ran against Museveni and he was there was extreme threat to his life. And the filmmaker Moses Bueo, who um, followed him and got captured almost everything that you see in the documentary, was also his life was also threatened. So Bobby Wine, the People's President, is nominated for an Oscar for Best Documentary Feature. And um, you can see it now on National Geographic if you have Disney Plus, and you can also see it on YouTube. The filmmakers felt that it was really important for everyone, especially in Uganda, to be able to see this documentary. Just, you know, be prepared. It's very heavy and there is there's a lot of peril, but it's worth watching. Definitely worth watching. <laughs> Real bloodshed happens in this film. Yeah, So it's a lot. Absolutely. But uh, check out our interview. And uh, these two guys are heroes. They're real heroes. Yes. Here we go. The Cinematography Podcast Interview. 
Thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. I have to tell you, like, I think Ilya was supposed to conduct the interview, and I found out yesterday that uh, it was going to be me, and I hadn't seen your film yet. And I watched it this morning, and I think I just got the tears off my face about 10 minutes ago. Like, I sat there and watched it, and I was just astonished. Like, it's it's an astonishing piece of work. And uh, whenever you hear something is Academy nominated, there's a certain weight on it. But holy crap, I almost don't even know where to start. There are documentaries like uh, The Fog of War, where it's a retrospective thing and you're talking to somebody this is a film where you are with somebody essentially you know not quite a war zone but kind of like a, a lot like a war zone for a long time how did you even start like how did you start and what did you think you were making when you started because it's you couldn't have imagined where it was going to go i could i couldn't imagine where it was going to go when i started watching it no you're completely right we had no idea where it was going to grow so I, I grew up in Uganda and my father grew up in Uganda. So I sort of had a connection there and I knew about Bobby Wine's music and I knew about the political situation. I knew that President Museveni had been in power for 34 years at the time. And I actually met Bobby and Barbie in Europe and sort of sat down with them. And I had this, you know, Ugandan connection and I started talking to them. And Bobby just explained, you know, he'd grown up in the ghetto, as you see in the film. His parents had died when he was pretty young. He'd pulled himself out of that situation by his musical talent. He'd become this big pop star and he'd put himself into university. And at university, he meets Barbie. When I met him, he'd just run to be an independent member of parliament. And he was sort of transitioning from being this solely musician into an activist and a politician. And when he told me what he was about to sacrifice, you know, he said, you know, I've, I'm in this great situation and I know I'm going to lose everything. Mm. I know I'm going to put everything at risk and I kind of feel I need to do it and I have a responsibility to do it. It seemed pretty obvious that, you know, we needed to stick with him and see where it went. I mean, going back to your point about you don't know where it's going to go. I, you know, there was many times when we thought Bobby was killed um you know he would lost Same, i mean watching it i felt like is he i mean it was a similar feeling to navalny the documentary that came out last year honestly the corruption and depravity of the people that bobby wine is up against is incomprehensible no, and, it's, shocking. And it's really shocking there's like no bottom to what these people will do and so i was honestly you you did a great job of making me like him like his music want him to succeed and then it was like one heartbreak after another but i just felt like i was in the room with him the whole time i mean the other point and then i'll hand over to moses who was often on the front line i mean the, the other point was you know we did we filmed for five six years and so it's a chunk of his life yeah. but the reality is is it's it's still going on yeah. so you know, we could Clearly. be filming now and his life would still every day, you know, just two weeks ago, he was locked up in his house and he couldn't get out. Then the day the Oscar nomination came out, they let him out like an hour later because they obviously realized there was going to be attention. But this is a living story and it's what makes the film so important. It actually has is having a massive impact on the Ugandan people and on the regime. But Moses, please come in and just talk about, you know, Moses really, really. Yeah, Moses, tell us a little yeah. bit about how you came to the story and your background. Yeah, uh, I was introduced to Chris through a friend and, you know, Chris shared the story and I felt like, you know, uh, we have to, to do this, you know, at the time 
Bobby was uh, had just gotten into parliament and he was really, you know, asking all the Ugandan population to get involved. And, you know, he was saying that don't just speak about politics, but participate, you know, and, yeah. we, you know, we were really inspired by his message. And as Christopher said, Bobby had literally pulled himself out of the ghetto to become a successful musician and, you know, build a life for himself. So we all admired his life and and his music. And, you know, so this message of hope was really resonating with the whole population. So anyway, at, at that point, I, I quickly agreed to, to join the project. And it's been um, a wonderful journey. It was a blessing to be able to, to be in those spaces to capture this story, you know, just to see, you know, this mass movement around the country, a big rise up and, and you know, start demanding for our own rights in, in Uganda. It's, it's impactful. Yeah. Are the Ugandan people going to be able to see this film? Is there any way they can see it? Yeah, I mean, amazingly, you know, we were, the film was acquired by Nat Geo. And one of the many great things they did um, is they put it on YouTube free. So that the people of Uganda can watch it, which has been amazing. And then, you know, it's very difficult. The regime there would obviously like the film not to be shown, but Mm -hmm. it's out and people are watching it. And, you know, there's a few things Bobby has done. One of them is he's inspired a continent. You know, it's not just Uganda. This story has resonated throughout the continent. All the people who are living under dictatorships suddenly they feel there's hope, you know, Bobby is showing them a way, a way forward. And then the other thing we always wanted the film to do is just to show the West what's going on there. And, you know, Museveni sets himself up as a democracy, which is just ludicrous. Yeah. We just wanted, we wanted people to understand this is not a democracy. And there is this chap there called Bobby Wine, who he shares our values, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's nonviolent. It'd be very easy. Everyone's super down and depressed. It'd be very easy to whip them all up into a frenzy. Yeah. Just not fighting, but that's not, not, he knows that's not right. So, you know, he's really stuck with the democratic thing and we, we need to support him because he's really one of us. Mm-hmm. So Moses, when you first got involved, did you sort of have an a general idea of, of the kind of film that you wanted to make? Or was it just, it seems very verite, like you were just going to be following Bobby around just to see what happened. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your process? Yeah. Um, so we, you know, wanted to tell a story of this young, you know, talented musician comes out of the ghetto, inspires a nation, you know, that kind of story. And he's uh, rise into politics and and the you know coalitions he was building in parliament and the bills he was trying to bring that kind of story but you know as we kept filming you know it was very dangerous for him and there was a few attempted um, assassinations on him so more and more we we realized the camera was actually a protection you know to him his family, oh. those close to him the movement. Uh, so we we just kept on going and going, and then he announced to be he wanted to to remove Museveni, the dictatorship uh, from power. President Museveni has been in power for thirty eight years now. Oof, you know, um, since uh, Ronald Reagan, since the Ronald Reagan administration in the U.S., wow. Uganda has had the same exact president Ugh. until today. So, you know, it's a repressive regime, it's a military regime, you know, it's, you know, and he rules with a heavy hand. 
So when Bobby made that announcement, there was just, you know, chaos and there was, you know, they were just coming at him with every level of state apparatus, you know. He has maybe 20 cases right now in courts all over the country in different uh, districts, you know, that he has to answer to. Of course, these are all trumped up charges, right? Um, yeah. Just, you know, brought up to to keep him from having a normal life, right? So, you know, we knew that the closer we stuck with them, with him and his wife and people close to him, uh, it would bring some level of protection. And indeed, you know, even like the the, the, the days uh, I spent under house arrest with Bobby and, and Barbie, what worried us was that the military and police would, would break into the house yeah. any moment. But I think what stopped them is when they knew that there was a cameraman in that house, you know, it probably stopped them from breaking into the house. I still would have been terrified, though. Like, I, I, I mean, my hat's off to you for, for staying there because it's like they could come in and they could seize your camera and do whatever they wanted to do. And I was waiting for that. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. because like and it's early in yeah. your film. There's yeah. that scene where they're talking to that guy who's like the mayor of this one area. Mm. And then yeah, and they just the police grab they just come up and they start <laughs> punching him in the stomach yeah. and throw him in a truck. And yeah. I spent the rest of the movie wondering what happened to that guy. Like, I know. you know, and, and that was happening left and right. It was the, yeah. the violence and the cruelty is so overt that, you know, even when they were like just surrounding his complex, I was like, yeah. are they going to come in? Like what horrible thing are, is going to happen next? Yeah. And, we, and what's even was, stopping it? It was a fear that we also had while in the house. We really knew they would break in any moment. So, you know, uh, the conventional ways of working in Uganda do not work. So like I had to find ways of hiding footage in the house, right? So really? hi, yeah, hide it in different places. Everything can, can you tell I, us or do you, no, is, is that a um, you know, tradecraft that we yeah, don't want to yeah, let out? Of course out. we can, <laughs> I, I, we could talk about it, but yeah, sometimes I, I just hid it in like obvious places, you know, like under a, a sink in the, mm -hmm. in the living room, you know, no one will be checking under a sink in the living room, the most obvious place, you know, <laughs> um, you know, in a couch somewhere. So things like that. So I would, I knew if they broke into the house, they're going to comb it, you know, left, right and center and, 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 you know, find, find, try to find the footage. But yeah, you know, uh, Ben, we risked our lives to make this film to bring Clearly. it to the audience. Yes. You know? Um, I was locked up. I was arrested a few times. I was locked up in jail. I was interrogated, you know, and I was shot in the face close to the election um, right here. I don't know if you can see that. You were shot um, in the face. Yes. Yes. At close range. Um, you know, this this military man saw me, recognized me and he pointed his gun, cocked it and looked at me in the face. And it was not the first time a gun was pointed in my face, but it's the first time someone actually shot um, oh, my God. Yeah. But, you know, and as we speak, of course, the situation had become very violent. And, and, and you know, there were two attempted kidnaps on my wife. So uh, Christopher uh, and I and John, our, our producer, we decided before we released the film, me and my wife had to flee. So now we are in, in the U.S. seeking political asylum. <sighs> yeah. Oh my God. I mean, like, how do you, what, how do you stay, how do you stay engaged in making a film when you feel like it's a threat to your life or a threat to your family? I mean, like after you're shot, after you're shot in the face, I mean, like, you know, there are going to be a lot of people who go up at the Oscars and talk about how brave so-and-so was, you know, how brave Emma Stone was for taking her role in poor things. And it's like, I get it in the, in the, in the sweep of her career, but like what you're doing is 
putting yourself in actual harm's way to get a story out that that really I do feel like the world needs to see. Thank you so much. Thank you. Honestly, you know, this film has also been a deep labor of love, you know, and we are fortunate to have been present in that space to tell that story. Of course, this question came up so many times, but I made a, a personal decision to carry on with the task, you know, mm. um, to to finish this this story. It's it's a story of our nation, you know. It's a story of a whole country, you know, uh, under a, a military, relentless military dictatorship. So we, it was a task, really. It, it was. Uh, I would say I was drunk with the story, you know, like I, I just couldn't stop. Uh, yeah. So I had we had to finish the task and get it out to the world. I mean, would you say that like your passion for it married mirrored Bobby Wines? Because I feel like you describing what you're going through feels a little bit like while I'm watching it. And I'm like, why am I getting so emotional about, you know, I, I watch tons of movies and it's hard to get super wrapped up in emotional, even documentaries. And it's like because Bobby Wine is someone who's coming up against some of the most oppressive dictatorship and keeps the smile on his face even even if in private you you see his doubts and you feel like you really know him but then he goes and writes a song about freedom to do it yes and and, and doesn't give up and that's what you were doing yeah i mean he inspired me you know he still does you know he's the bravest man i know i mean i i fled for my life the guy still goes back to uganda right Yeah. yeah there's one time he went in october last year and he was, you know, picked up off of an aircraft, you know, uh, dragged on the tarmac, bundled in a van, driven to a military detention center. A friend filmed this ordeal. And that video that was filmed was put on, on social media. That's what got like media organizations writing stories, Al Jazeera, CNN, BBC. And then the state released him because of the noise that was happening. Right. This is a current story, like Christopher said. This story is still happening today. Yeah. It's urgent, you know, but now, I mean, we, we Christopher and I, we've been thinking maybe we should find a way to, to, to start filming again because the situation has not improved, right? Right. And we have this yeah. incredible access, you know, we have this uh, story still happening right now. And, and, you know, for some reason, the camera had become like a protection to them. And now we feel like, oh, my God, you know, we're indebted to this, to this struggle. We need to do something. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, just to give you some context of how it's still going on. I was with Bobby in London and Bobby was um, this was like a few weeks ago. And Bobby was in Uganda and he was out, you know, meeting people, thousands of crowds. And suddenly Bobby's phone goes and it's a text. And I'm not going to say which embassy it was from, but it was from a European embassy in Kampala saying there's a plan to assassinate your husband by the regime today and you need to get him out of there. And Bobby was standing on a car, you know, with a megaphone talking to huge crowds and got managed to get hold of someone. Bobby didn't want to get get off the car. He was like, no, I'm fine. It was like, got him in the car and bundled him away. And someone took a picture of a guy moving through the crowd with a pistol stuffed down the back of his pants. You know, obviously an operative in a sort of tight T-shirt. And, and so it's ongoing. You know, this mm. guy's life is constantly threatened. And you just feel you're at the level of bravery He's got so much to lose, and yet he has this sort of sense that he needs to he needs to try and liberate the people because Uganda is a 
desperately poor country for the majority of people. You know, there's an elite who um, stub their toe and they get on a private jet and go to somewhere else. But most people have no health care, you know, no education. Uh, and, you know, Bobby's coming from that. So he can see, he sees clearly what these people have suffered and he feels a responsibility to try and liberate them. Mm. I feel like uh, it, it almost feels trivial to talk about this, but we are the cinematography podcast. So I'd like to talk about the techniques you use to film it, the cameras. I, I'm assuming that you had to travel light. It had to be something that, that was ready for run and gun. But the, the images are so beautiful and arresting. How did you go into that world knowing you could get something that you could use in your film? Yeah, we, we, we knew it was going to need run and gun set up and... Um, we started off with the Sony FS7 and it was a very heavy mm. camera. And But then we had the small S7 threes. Um, oh, those are great. That, that capture great images, you know, really wonderful. And, and also really good in low light, you know. And most cases I just had like a monopod, you know, so not a tripod, but like just a simple, you know, monopod to, to, to stabilize things if I needed to. But mm. most times it was really handheld. Uh, really varate, you know, um, because it, uh, the, all the situations, as you see, you know, you're going, you're going from crowds, you're going into a car, traveling, and then off a car, you're on a motorcycle, yeah. you know. It was, you can't have it was, a crew. Like, did you even have sound? No, was no, just, we was didn't. It all you? No, it was mainly uh, sound was going into camera, um, and those small cameras, they have like this external unit that you attach on them, and mm -hmm. you know, and it will give you. Uh, two XLRs in and and so we would have like a shotgun microphone um, and then uh, a love mic on Bobby or Bobby all the time. We went through a few a few microphones with Bobby. I Every imagine. time they, they arrested him, they would take the microphone packs, you know, and, yeah. you know, the cameras were broken a couple of times, not because I, I didn't take good care of them. Yeah, I was, I was wondering, did they t take the camera from you and break it? Or did they do anything like that? If, uh, did that happen a few times? Or Oh, we had to fix a few cameras. I had to send them over to the U a few times. Yeah. And, and some cameras, you know, just, you know, uh, broken in the process of, you know, the chaos and and just those environments and yeah um and yeah they did when i was arrested they took away uh, a bunch of equipment lenses and you know Ugh. um and and the lenses were i think one of the very good things we decided to invest in uh, we got some nice uh, sony g master lenses they're, mm. they're a very great brand and you know uh, these beautiful images and really good in low light as well and yeah Oh man, that just sounds crazy. Cause I mean, like, you know, there, there's some, some scenes, especially like inside his compound or the interview stuff that you did that just looks primetime, beautiful, well-composed. I love it's like the kind of haunting stuff inside the, their compound where the lights kind of coming in through the curtains and it's very kind of volumetric lighting. And it, it feels like what I guess it probably was, which is like, they feel down and, and kind of not defeated, but like, you know, they're on their heels and it was kind of a darkish, like if I was making the movie version, the Hollywood movie, I might light it just like that. But, <laughs> but then there's all natural light, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. again, it was just run and gun. So we, we just have had to use the light that was there. Yeah. Whatever is within the room, whatever is coming from the windows or the lights, uh, yeah. Well, even the really part weird. to me, yeah. I, I remember the part where Barbie's doing the dishes. 
mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and she's that and morning, like, yeah. And but it's so tense, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah. That was a great shot though, too. It's like, well, I guess she might as well do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I mean, we we so that scene, Christopher and I, we were still wondering how are we going to finish this film? Chris, you remember this? I remember it well, yeah. Yeah, like we how we carried yeah. on filming forever, you know. We we had to put an end to it, so it was just yeah. uh, and also because Bobby's such an optimistic person, we didn't want, well, Bobby wouldn't have wanted the film to end on a sort of total low, even though it's, it's you know, it's not a great situation. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, you know, was trying to find a way of knowing that he'd been robbed of the election, he'd actually won it, but, you know, giving back some hope again, and you know, we carry on. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I know, it was nice seeing them reunite with their children. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was beautiful as well. It was really wonderful. I mean, the kids are just so intelligent and smart and wonderful. And they helped make the film quite light. I mean, the resilience of those kids is is incredible and and speaks, you know, wonders to the whole family. Because, you know, like there's that scene where uh, one of his kids is like writing a letter to him while he's in while he's a political Mm. prisoner. Holding, yeah. holding themselves together, you know? Yeah, uh, our, 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 one of the cinematographers shot that, uh, Sam Benstead, incredible cinematographer. Yeah, he shot that scene, um, yeah, with the letters, yeah. I mean, it's quite interesting. Bobby and Barbie were saying the other day that they made a decision quite early on to mm. tell the children exactly what was going on because they would go to school and the other school kids go, oh, your father's in prison, he's a criminal. And so they said it was really important for the children to understand what they were trying to achieve, even mm. though, you know, when we started, they were quite small. So it's kind of, it shows you the sort of solidarity of the family and also the intelligence of the parents to just realize that you have to, you have to protect the children, but the way you protect them is with information. And, you know, you say to them, children are going to say this at school, but that's what they understand, but it's not actually the truth, you know? When they did an mm-hmm. amazing job because today, you know, the children are incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them's studying the States, but the rest of them are back in Uganda and they are, you know, they're stable, beautiful, wonderful human beings. So yeah, they've done a great job. Mm-hmm. Wow. Moses, can you tell us a little bit about your background? It, it sounds like you had an interesting story yourself of how you came to um, being a filmmaker. Yeah, so I went to, I, I did uh, mass communication because I, I, I had wanted to study film or photography, but there was no school in Uganda to to give me that background. Uh, so there was a school in South Africa, but they were very expensive. So I found a, a university that, that had a program where you would do mass communication and then specialize in like your third year in TV and film production. So that's what I did as an undergrad and then went on to do a postgrad in film and TV production that had been set up by this wonderful German documentarian. I mean, it was a very intense uh, study program, you know, uh, film history, film analysis, you know, the new Hollywood cinema, mm. um, the auteurs. And, you know, so we started that whole stuff. And then I found this workshop program called Maisha Film Lab that is run by Mira Naya 
and that's how oh. I, you know, so it's, it's very tech heavy and, you know, it's like a, a month of, of intense, you know, like technical training. But then at the end of the, the month, in the last week, you, you make a film and they divide you in groups of uh, an, a director, assistant director, editor, and then sound, sound recordist. Um, but after the, the one month, you make a film and you screen the film and Mira would come to, to those screenings. So oh, wow. I did a few of them. So the, the final one, Mira came to the screening and I was one of the people who were picked up to then work on, on one of her films, A Fork, A Night and a Spoon. It was a oh, short wow. film about Nelson Mandela's quote that, that goes, uh, what doesn't break you makes you something like that. And after that, we I was then picked up again to carry on and, and work on Queen of Katwe, which All was right. about two years of pre-production, production and post-production. And I did, I was part of the film through the whole process, you know, mixing, the, coming to New York for the first time in 2016 to mix the film at Soundtracks New York. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And I recorded the ADRs in the film um, and mixed them at Soundtracks. Awesome. Um, so it was a great experience. And I went back to Uganda. I started a production company called Jaja Productions mm -hmm. uh, with fellow Maisha Almnais. And we were, you know, we were making films, but I wanted to grow my cinematography career. And so I was shooting for BBC and Vice on the side. And that's around the time when I met Christopher and we, yeah, we made Bobby Wine. Nice. Yeah. Wow, that's an so incredible story. Uh, Christopher, what, what's your, what was your background? How did you get so, into Yeah, no, I used to be an editor. Oh, um, okay. Back in the day. So, yeah, and doing May, I did a few sort of documentaries, and I also did lots of TV commercials and music videos and um, spent quite a lot of time in the Middle East doing editing and production and stuff. And then I moved away and did something else, and then I met Bobby and Barbie, and then I was like, wow, yeah. Here we go. I know they're so charismatic. <laughs> yeah. They really are. I mean, the big the big thing for us was we spent two years in the edit. Mm. Yes, I was going to ask about that. I next, imagine there actually. must be miles of Chris footage plus yeah. news footage over two years. Because well, it was a year of watching material. Yeah, and, I bet. And we logged absolutely logging and oh my god. And then <laughs> two years, and we had four thousand hours of footage. So yeah. it would. Stuff we had, you know, a couple of different cinematographers on the project, and then yeah. Moses, and then we got tons of archive, and we got tons of news footage, and then we gave um, Bobby and Barbie uh, iPhone just to record stuff at home. Mm -hmm. But it was just this massive amount of material, and mm -hmm. often Moses would sort of go with Bobby, you know, on a three-hour car ride. Um, <laughs> And, you know, film a lot of the way and then film the funeral and then film coming back. And there was this great sense that we needed to watch everything because you just, yeah. you know, you don't know. And then also you, um, I mean, you know, you never know when something's going to happen. You know, right. Innocuous, innocuous situation, you think nothing's going to happen. Suddenly it's shooting and yeah, really important to film everything and then try and craft it into a story, you know, of under two hours, which was yeah. <laughs> It could easily have been a lot longer, but yeah. um, could have been a series. It could it have been could a series. Be. Yeah, it could have been a series. Yeah. So my my takeaway for me personally mm. was a little bit too of like 
you know, being in America and, you know, in your comfortable mm-hmm. living room and you're like, oh yeah, that's far away. That could never happen here. But not my, not my you know, feeling at all. Not anymore. <laughs> no, but that's how it that's used to be. Right. But that's definitely mm-hmm. not how I, I feel it. anymore. And that was what really hit me. That's yeah. what made it feel so visceral to me is mm-hmm. that democracy is so fragile, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just around the whole world. I mean, it like, is yes, you know, around the whole world. Uh, I I think it's such a timely story for the moment, you know, we're going on here, but Mm -hmm. it's a timely story all over the world. And that's um, so it's a, you know, it's a warning because Uganda had a proper constitution. They had term limits. Mm -hmm. They had age limits, you know, so so you couldn't be president if you were over 75. You Mm -hmm. could only do two five year terms. And, you know, they had institutions like they had the judiciary and all these things which were external, which weren't connected with government, which mm-hmm. were meant to protect people. And they got rid of them all. So, yeah. yeah, it is a warning. And what you have to do is you have to protect them right from the beginning, because once mm-hmm. once they start disappearing, you're really in trouble, you know, and you need a heroic character to come along and try and save the day like Bobby. So what does the future of Uganda look like? What what do we do? Yeah, what can we do? Yeah. Really? The future of Uganda, well, to start with, we hope that we will not be ignored. We hope that this story will not be ignored. The people of Uganda for the last 38 years have lived under the Museveni dictatorship. And right now, a character like Bobby Wine, who believes in democracy, uh, nonviolence, has come up to push for change. And we hope that this will not be ignored. But also we hope that, you know, this story will inspire, you know, other countries that are living under dictatorships like uh, the one in Uganda, you know, that it, it will help them, it will re-energize them, it will strengthen them and and inspire them. Well, I, I mean, I can't, I can't recommend highly enough that people uh, seek this out. And obviously, like you said, it's on YouTube. Uh, if you have Disney Plus, you can watch it on the National Geographic, uh, which is how I watch it. But like when I was, I, I was going to send out some stuff on social media about it, and I realized the whole movie was there. And I'm glad you mentioned that. That's that's tactical. <laughs> that that it's it's out there so that nowhere in the world can stop people from seeing it. And uh, you know, I, I hope I hope a lot of our listeners go check it out. I, I think it's, I don't know, it's one of the most urgent movies I've seen in a long time. Like, I feel like we should see it. We should see it right now. Mm. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah nicely done, you guys. It's, it's yeah. very impactful. Yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope the next time I see you is accepting the award. Oh, <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. This has been the Cinematography Podcast, presented by Hot Rod Cameras. Find your next camera, lens, or accessory on the web at hotrodcameras.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening.